and gentlemen, welcome back to the Frank James Podcast. It's been a while now, hasn't it? Well, it's your irregularly scheduled program today. I'm Frank James, of course. Who else would be hosting the Frank James Podcast? If you don't know who I am, I have a YouTube channel called Frank James. I see a pattern here. And uh, I talk about all kinds of stuff on that channel. Um, One of the big things is talking about personality uh, typology, especially Myers-Briggs. Today, I have a a very illustrious guest uh, who is, I think, doing the most important work right now when it comes to typology, specifically with uh, Myers-Briggs, though this is not your traditional Myers-Briggs. Hold on to your hat. It is, of course, Dave Powers. Uh, You may have seen his YouTube channel, Dave Superpowers, where he goes into discussing uh, all the nitty-gritty about personality typing. Uh, But his main thing is over at ObjectivePersonality.com, where he and his partner Shannon have been working on and have developed a system of arriving objectively at someone's personality type. There's really no one else doing it this way according to the scientific method. We're going to cover a lot of ground today. We're going to ask Dave all about what he does, how he does it. We're going to talk about some INFJ-specific stuff because that's what my channel on YouTube uh, has been centered around uh, from time to time. Uh, We're going to talk about maybe some celebrity INFJs that you wouldn't expect. We're going to talk about what is the point? Why should we know our personality type and how knowing objectively what your type really is, how that can affect your life, and how you can use it to better yourself. So without further ado, let me bring on my guest, Dave Powers. All right, so uh, Dave, welcome to the podcast. You're my auspicious first guest. I'm really excited to have you here today. Um, How are you doing today? Doing great. Thanks so much for having me on, Frank. So most people, most of my subscribers would know you as Dave Superpowers, and uh, you're also over at Objective Personality. Actually, that's your main thing, tracking the eight cognitive functions using the scientific method. Could you explain a little bit just to give us an idea, an introduction to what Objective Personality is and what you're doing over there? Yeah, um, we are taking another run at trying to get science and personality types to work together. You know, every, every however many years somebody comes along and tries to bridge that gap and make personality accepted by the scientific community using the scientific method to test, define, and measure personality type, whether it's big five, the functions, whatever, any system that could possibly be tracked. So we started taking a run at that years ago and have gotten a system that so far has been very trackable and measurable for us. So we got the domain name objective personality, kind of put the two together. (laughs) And um, that's basically what we do is we do track personality objectively using a little scientific method. We don't go so much towards big five as as much as that's kind of liked by the scientific community, mm-hmm. we have found that it was randomly the eight Carl Jung functions that we were actually able to objectively track. So we're working on kind of building that up for uh, taking it in the direction of the scientific community, and then at the same time, also releasing a lot of our findings in the form of YouTube shows and classes and stuff like that for uh, the, the public at this time. Right. And so at this point in in the development of objective personality, are you, can you say that you are on to uh, like some kind of objectivity? Because I know right now you and your partner Shannon type people and usually uh, when you type them separately, well, I could just let you explain it. Do you think that you are objective as it is right now? 
I do, but I'm I'm the crazy guy running the thing. I'm right. working to get it towards we can get peer review in here to really look at what we're doing, what we're tracking, how we're doing it, setting up tests of their own, so we can have the outside parties, you know, verify or deny that in fact there is something measurably, objectively being tracked here. But yeah, bottom line, if you ask me, what Shannon and I do is we put ourselves in separate rooms and we'll type the same people, usually a list of ten people, let's say, and we're seeing if we can both track the same observable patterns and come up with the same personality type. And science has been saying for decades that Myers-Briggs and everybody else, when you when you play that kind of scientific game, that kind of experiment, yeah. that statistically it breaks down. People can only kind of uh, uh, be consistent with each other maybe 60% of the time at best, you know? Yeah. And so we're hitting scores upwards of 90% of the time. And um, so that's been very encouraging as well as we're, we're not just tracking it on 16 types. We're tracking on a larger spectrum of the 16 that has kind of unfolded all the way to 512. So the the, the numbers are very interesting that we're able to statistically track um, such a large spectrum at such a high percentage of hitting. Um, so that's where we are now. And it's, it's been more than enough exciting for me to keep vigorously working on it and, and developing it and teaching it. Right. So right now, uh, just to, to like reword that, so you and Shannon can go into different rooms and right now you have upwards of 90%. You'll type people the same way on a spectrum of 512 different types. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like the chances of, it's like, like for example, we officially typed you. And so the way that we do that is I'll watch hours of your video footage and I'm going through this checklist and I'm asking questions like, okay, is, is Frank a an observer or a decider? And then we're defining what those terms are. Um, you know, is, is his feeling state a savior state or a demon state? You know, is it dominant or not? Um, is his feeling state extroverted or introverted? And so it took a lot of years to really define all those terms so they were measurable and trackable, you know, because what the heck does FE mean to you? It might be a different term than me, and then we're going to get it off all the time, you know? So right. I'm going through this this whole checklist, uh, you know, coin by coin, we call it, and then it's kind of spitting out a personality number, which is corresponding to a type, you know, yeah. the the functions of NI, FE, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's a whole kind of tail to it. And so I'm then writing down a number um, out of 512, say you're number 139 or whatever. Mm. It's then I'm waiting to see if Shannon also worked through the checklist and got you as number 139. And, um, you know, it's, it's an exciting uh, thing to see that, you know, wow, most of the time we're either got the numbers right on or a lot of times we'll get them off in the sense of like, I'll hit your neighboring type, you know, right. I might see something flipped around or whatever. So it's close. So yeah, that's the racket. It's, it's time consuming. It's stressful. You got to put a lot to really, um, dive into somebody's videos or, or know them in their personal life and really get to know them. Cause I can't be tracking anecdotes. I can't be like, right. oh, Frank said he likes meeting new people. Therefore, he's an extrovert. Like, that could have been an anecdote. That could have been out of context. You know, like, I got to right. get to know the person to the core to really know uh, what's going on there. And then hoping that Shannon's doing the same thing in the other room, you know? Right. And then the 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 goal for the future would be to train a bunch of other people who could also separately be typing and uh, get the same number, right? Right, exactly, exactly. Because right now we've got a really good, I just call it like a mom and pop magic show. Yeah. You know, if somebody were to come in and watch us do this, you know, we could put on a great show, which we have done before when people come over or parents come over. We're like, hey, watch this. And we'll type <laughs> people. And they're like, wow, that's really crazy. But it just, it just has a magic show effect to it. Um, but yeah, the next stage over the next 
probably five years is going to be getting a group of small, a small group of people in here and train them up on exactly how we're doing it. So we could have five to 10 of us. Now we have a couple people that could work with a scientific group or, you know, can work on it in more depth. Um, and with the long-term goal of kind of everything that we've always hoped for in the personality community, and that uh-huh. is 20, 30 years from now, that 19-year-old kid who's starting off in life can actually take a personality test and have an objective scientific, uh, much like the Ancestry sites, you know, 23andMe, where people can get almost a genetic layout of like, look, this is actually a personality type up to 99.9% degree of accuracy. And here is what your natural fears are, your natural problems, your natural your natural issues, what you're going to be strong at, what you're going to be weak at, blind spots, etc. As well as here's a, a list of other people in the world that are your same or similar type. And that's where things have become extremely powerful is when you can find like 10 other people that are literally the same exact, exact, exact type as you. Yeah. That can get very powerful because now it's like you can talk to yourself in a, in a time warp. You can look at a group of people that are your same type and they're 20 years older, some good, some bad, and go, whoa, I'm, I'm on the same path here. And yeah. um, it's, it's traumatizingly enlightening. Yeah. <laughs> so when, when you find people who are the exact same type on the, on the scale of 512, do they tend to lead uh, similar lives and make like the same decisions? Uh, and same career paths, for instance. Yes, and like yes, as an understatement, it's they'll have the they'll have the exact same fears. Um, they'll have a hundred percent the exact same fears. So if 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 you're afraid of chaos, everybody in your group is going to be afraid of chaos, you know, et cetera. The human needs kind of stuff is 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 really easy. Um, but then it doesn't necessarily determine how a person's going to go live out their life because, for example. Maybe when you're younger, in your 20s or 30s or even 40s, you stumble into the self-growth community right. and you're fumbling around with personality types and Tony Robbins and whatever. The thing is, that has a lot of exponential consequences in the positive years down the road. I mean, look at a lot of people that would never go near a self-help thing. They're lost in drugs and crime. And that's a that's a world of a way of a difference. So like right. if you're into something positive when you're younger, that's going to greatly affect your trajectory in life um if you if you kind of just stay in a kind of a negative state that greatly so you could have the way i look at it is like you can have two hondas honda accords roll off the assembly line that are minutes apart from each other they're the exact same car it's 20 years later one went this way and one went the other way one's nice and shining in a museum and the other one's like rotting in the junkyard you can still see underneath all the stuff that they're the same frame the same parts but how those cars went on to live their life is very different. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, totally. So it's like you all have the you all are built the same way, but people can can go uh, up or down basically, like how right. they how they work on themselves. Right now, if you have somebody that is your same age, roughly. And went on the same kind of life track that you did and was also in the same culture and then possibly the same ethnicity. Now you're getting what we call like, if you look up that website, Twin Strangers, Uh it's my opinion that they're kind of tracking a lot of the same stuff that we're finding. And that is people that are roughly the same age, roughly the same walk in life and the same ethnicity that are the exact same personality type. They most often will look like actually look like you look like you talk like you organize your room like you name your dog the same you know i like great danes you know like weird stuff will 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 dramatically start popping up at at that point 
Wow, that's right. So is, does that mean that uh, maybe there's something to it when people say, oh, you have the INFJ stare or they say, oh, you have uh, an FI smile or something? Is, that, is yeah. that sort of? Yeah. Yeah, we are. We are. We are kind of tracking that like a lot of. So like on our it's so funny, like on our uh, Dave Superpowers channel, the YouTube channel. Yeah, I, I come out very aggressively kind of kicking Myers, the Myers-Briggs community. Right. Like, like because um, because of like, look, <laughs> it turns out the Myers-Briggs. This is just my opinion. Right. It sure. turns out the Myers-Briggs community won the lottery. Like the, <laughs> the, the scientific testing and, and, and trackability of personality happens to be in the crazy old Myers-Briggs type, you know. As as ridiculous as that sounds to the scientific community, we're not using the big five or anything else like that to track these kind of consistencies. And so it's like because the the personality community has something of such value they're not even uh, aware of, it's like a lot of these silly myths that we also kind of embrace that are ridiculous, like – a lot of them we got to let go, but then a lot of them are kind of founded in truth. Like, yeah, there is kind of that INFJ stare. We are able to track something that when we log people and we, we get them the same type, we put them in a common archive and we separate them out by type. And then you start getting these rows of people that look very similar. And yeah, absolutely. You'll turn to the, this, you know, a certain type and they'll all be having the same weird, silly stare. And we're like, oh, I wonder if that was the such and such stare that people have been referring to, you know? Yeah. So it, it it's kind of funny to see some of the myths actually start to be tracked to some degree. <laughs> so it's almost like uh, everyone else has been doing the traditional Myers Briggs has kind has like been on to something. They just haven't tr- ever tried to track it uh, objectively the way that you are. Right, exactly, and that's that's kind of the kick in the pants that I'm giving is like, hey, personality people, Myers Briggs people out there, like we tend to stray away from the scientific community because we see them as aggressive and anti-Myers-Briggs and all the rest. Right. And it's like, wow, if you actually can reconcile those two worlds and, and use a scientific approach to actually track what we think we're seeing, like you'll be surprised at how much of it you can actually start to verify. And that's that's what we're really encouraging other people to do is um, – you know, when you see these interesting patterns, like simply, what, what am I talking about here? Simply create a Google Doc, like write it down, write it down in the sensory, you crazy ends, like write right. it down <laughs> and like show your friends and have them start a Google Doc and then compare your notes and like give that a couple years and you end up with this large data set of garbage of all this junk that you've collected of all these crazy patterns that may or may not be right. right. And then from there, you start to sift it through and go, actually, there's something to this one here, you know, and now you're now you're you got something. Right. Well, I mean, I'm just over here on objectivepersonality.com right now. And you've got some of these these lookalikes here, like n- number 77 D. It's all redheads with beards. It's kind of weird. They look it's like they planned it or something. I know. Yeah, I know. But but you're not. When you're typing people, that's not what you're looking at, is it? You're not looking at the way they, the way they, um, they look, or like what kind of smile they have, or whatever. Yeah, I know. Yes, like on our, and I think on our website we'll have it. Like on our official checklist, there is no spot for lookalike. There is no, you know, smiles right. or visual or any of that. Now we definitely see that. We definitely see coincidentally people of the same type. Oftentimes. Uh, supposedly right. kind of look alike, 
Um, so no, we don't officially track with the looks because sometimes, I'd say pretty regularly, you'll have a type that will be like in the quote unquote wrong doc. Like we'll type them as one type and they'll look like their cousin type. So like a lot of INFJs and INTJs will look alike. Um, even ISTJs and INTJs will look alike, you know? So we'll, Hmm. you'll kind of tend to have people that look like their cousin types at times. Um, so yeah, we don't, we don't track, uh, officially the the looks even though at scale it definitely does start to show up and also do note the ones on our, our web page those are that's kind of the highlight reel right right so like there's only like four each it's not like <laughs> if that you like they don't all look that much alike we are kind of showing the highlight reel right right the ones the ones who look the the most similar out of all of them right right uh, could you could you kind of like tell us what it is that you actually are tracking what you're what you're honing in on when you type people yeah, we on our um, class notes doc, we got like a checklist that we'll go through. Um, and so when we're when we're walking up on somebody to type them, the the first thing that we're looking for, and this this may come in this order, it may not, is we're simply looking for is this person an observer or a decider? And right. so an observer is an IJ or an EP. And that the, that's somebody that has their first function is an observing function, right? Right. And then a or, decider is an IP or an EJ. And so we're looking for that relative balance between control and chaos, right? Kind of, kind of, um, you know, the SI or the NI is kind of doing the control and the organizing, right? And the NE and the SE is doing the gathering, which which can be chaotic. So we're looking for everyone has a fear of control and chaos uh, to some degree. And then we're looking at the other coin of self and tribe. So your your identity or your FI or your TI is your identity. Mm-hmm. And then your your tribe, like how you, who are you in the tribe? Like where do you place? Like how valuable are you? Like do you do anything worthwhile? Do people like you? This is your TE or your FE is, is looking for that kind of feedback. And so everyone has struggles with self and tribe and everyone has struggles with control and chaos. And these are the four Tony Robbins human needs. And we just stole it from him. We just right. noticed, hey, his human needs overlap Carl Jung's function. Anyone else ever notice that? Anybody right. seen that? That, that? It's really the same. These guys look at the same thing. And so we're, we're going up going, all right, does Frank James, does he freak out more about self and tribe or control and chaos. And then we really got to get into defining, defining those terms. You know, you could be coming up on a kid that they're going through an identity crisis. So everybody's going to be struggling with certain things at certain times, you know. Right. So it's like we're looking at if we can get access to years of videos to see what's their overall trend of where do they feel like life is uh, unpassable. And mm. then we go, oh, this person has a very hard time with self and tribe um, and they're in a lot of pain and it's really hard, but where they really seem to feel stuck from their perspective is in this missing information game. They can't figure out how to solve it. They can't figure out their path. They don't know where to go or what to do or how to organize their schedule, you know, or what decisions to make moving forward with college or whatever. Right. And then we'll just make a check mark and go, it's honestly just like everybody else, just taking a big guess. I'm like, I don't know. It looks like an observer <laughs> to me. And I'll just write down observer and then I'll start working down down the checklist, you know. So you're um, ba- you're just looking at one of one of two things: is it this or this? Yes, always all, all the all the way down this whole long check this whole SI checklist. It's always a binary coin: this or this, observer or decider. And then it go observer, and then it drops down like a little flow chart. Like okay, observer. Okay, so if this guy's an observer, is he lead organize 
or lead gather. Is this guy an IJ or an EP? Mm-hmm. You know? And then now you're looking for that, and everyone's going to throw you the upside down one, right? So the IJs are like, you don't even know. I gather and I research and I do all this <laughs> new stuff, right? Because they're showing up. And yeah. all the EPs want to be IJs. They're telling you how organized they are, right? So you got to watch for the, the flipperoo, the savior demon game. That's why you can't ask the person. You know, right. They're going to tell you kind of what they want to be or see themselves as. You know, it gets tricky. Right. Um, and so really quick, going back. So observer and decider, that would be observing would be like perceiving in the traditional Myers-Briggs parlance. Right. And deciding is like judging when, when we're talking about those functions. Um, kind of. There's some overlap there. Um, but but yes and no, because like we'll, we'll we'll get it down uh, that's, a, that's a hard question to answer. Like half the time, half the time, yes, in a general sense. And then a specific sense, no, we don't actually use the P and the J um, because like, for example, there are some EPs out there that are kind of judges because they're like, for example, they're S-E-T-E. And so they're getting that judge, that the, the judgmental side of oh, that T. right, you right. Know? <laughs> you know, it's like the judging, as far as we can tell from the Myers-Briggs is kind of talking about your introverted observer, let's say your NI, and then your extroverted decider, your TE, your FE, those two. So like when those two are your saviors, you're a judger. Like, like you would be a judger, like your NI and FE. Yeah. Like those two is a complete judger. But there's other INFJs that are NITI, and so they're not getting that extroverted they're not running around beating the tribe with their FE. They're not caring about the validation as much or, or the pingback from the tribe members. Right. So they're losing half of their judgingness. You know what I mean? <laughs> so the, the judge meter is going down. So, so yeah, we're, we're looking at things like, um, you know, gather, over-organize, and then we'll go to the next one and go, is this self above tribe or tribe above self? You know, is, is, is this person looking, are they getting the opinions of 10 other people before they're kind of allowed and given permission in their own mind to kind of start to make their own decision? Yeah. Or are they kind of just jumping in, making their own decision and 10 other people might have to argue that away from them and they still may not change, you know? It's like, are you, are they putting on their op- oxygen mask first normally right. and then going, then I'll help everyone else? Or it's like, no, I help everyone else and then I'll put the mask on. You know, we'll play these kind of sim- simplistic ways of, of, of phrasing it, but we're looking for that kind a coin there. Yeah, it's funny that you bring up the oxygen mask thing because before I ever heard you and Shannon say it, I was thinking about that analogy and I was like, huh, that might be something interesting. So now, yeah. if, I, now if I say it, I'm copying you. So I, right. <laughs> I need to come up with a new analogy. But you just brought up something that might have made some, you know, Myers Briggs purists' head spin is that um, there are people who are what you call jumpers who their yeah. their savior their what what would be called the uh, what is it the auxiliary function um, isn't their second function isn't actually their savior could you totally. like talk about that because I, I know that you've said that that was a big discovery that you all made yeah so first of all this goes back to the silly myers-briggs community that has been talking about um, oh gosh, what do they call it? Looping. You know, they'll talk about yeah. you know the depressed INFJ that's in the uh, NITI loop. Right? Oh yeah, I've made that video. Yeah, <laughs> have you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so like, I, it's been a while since I've looked into it, but like, I remember a couple of years ago, kind of like tracking that back down and looking at forum posts about that 
uh, on the internet. And and a lot of the descriptions of what I saw, not all, but some of the descriptions from what I was telling is like, no, you're not describing some INFJ in a bad state. You're describing one of these INFJs that are simply tribe above self. They're N-I-T-I. That's just leave them alone. That's the way they are. There's nothing wrong with them. Get off their back, you know. And we found that the code, we call it kind of the genetic code of personality, all it's asking for is that you have one dominant observer and one dominant decider. That's it. It doesn't have to be your first and second. It could be your first and third. Right. And so from from we've got about 2,500 people um, archived in our docs over here, and we're seeing this split is 50-50. So half the INFJs out there are NIFE, and the other half are NITI. And with that NITI, for example... Um, uh, Jerry Seinfeld is one of these, N-I-T-I. Oh, really? He's, he's self above tribe. You see him laughing at the tribe, drained at the tribe, yeah. mocking at the tribe. He's always self-amusing what makes sense to him, what he follows, what he does. But he's still got that INFJ smartest guy in the room syndrome where he's figuring everything out and he's concerned and interested of why do you like that? Why do you value that? Why is that important to you? You know? So he's right. still playing the INFJ game, but it's kind of reversed, you know? Yeah, it's, it's interesting you bring him up because I don't think I've ever seen you that you had typed him as one of these INFJs. So that's really interesting. Yeah, there's um, a freebie. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. I was in the <laughs> middle of typing him. And, well, actually, I, I hadn't gone into actually typing him, but I saw some interviews and I was like, he seems self above tribe. I mean, it's pretty right. obvious, but um, uh, I th- he, was, he was telling one story about how. Uh, he was talking with some other celebrity who didn't like when fans would like treat them special. And, and uh, Jerry Seinfeld was like, Oh, I love it. Some guy right. off- offered me his parking space the other day. And I said, okay. And I just took the parking space. <laughs> right. Totally. That is an anecdote that we're seeing at scale of, of self above tribe behavior. I think, I think what he actually said was um, he's like, I've done a lot for this guy. I've given him a lot of joy over right. the years. What has he done for me? So uh, <laughs> I'll take his parking spot. Right. Right, right. That's the logic that we're seeing. We'll see. You'll see it in the extremes of the IPs, where they're like all of them are default self above tribe to the max, right? Yeah. And a lot of their life tidal waves are. I can't believe why everyone's so mean to me. Like five minutes last month, I helped somebody, and like, why are they not killing themselves for me right now? You know, and they're right. not saying that literally, but like that's their point of view. Is I help somebody a little bit, like that's more than enough, right? You know? Yeah. So and then the yeah. go ahead. The the then the 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 self the tribe above self person is the other way around. Like they will just destroy themselves for everybody else. They're running around being a martyr, and it's just never enough helping everybody else. Because the thinking is, if I can help everybody else, if I can lift everybody else up, then I'm worth it. Then I'm important, and then then others could help me later, or I could help myself later. You know, so just right. you can track these extremes. Everybody, like nobody's in the middle. You know, like you don't have a right and left hand where they're both equal. Like the one's always going to be off from the other. You're going to be leading <laughs> one of these a little wacky from the other, and that's exactly what we're then tracking. Yeah, of course. You also talk about how it's difficult for people to see themselves accurately, and that what did you you said that like nine out of ten people when they come to you for you know video your video typing service that they've type themselves upside down yeah we've we've almost gotten to the point to where if if somebody comes to us 
that we can almost predict what type they think they're going to be. So <laughs> largely the ESFPs think they're INTPs. Um, you know, the, the ISTPs think they're INTJs. Everybody wants to be an INFJ and, and you know, down the road, you know. We're, and so we're kind of asking, like, what, what are you seeing in yourself as well as understanding in the terms, you know, yeah. that is getting you to that conclusion? And a lot of the things that we have found, and, and this is what we went through ourselves, like mistyping ourselves for a long time, mm-hmm. is your savior functions, what you do naturally and normally, oftentimes they're so automatic that you don't really realize you're doing them. Like you're just kind of, well, I just, duh, I have to plan things out. Duh, I have to go do this stuff. And like, it seems obvious, it seems responsible, and it's not necessarily the greatest thing in the world to you. It's then you come across the demons of like, oh, wait a minute, I'm seeing this is painful, this is important, this is what I want to do, this is what I'm working towards. And then people will identify with that and go, that must be who I am. But the thing I would really recommend tracking is not necessarily your spikes from your point of view of what's the most important to you, what are you working on, what are you going towards, what do you see yourself as. I would really track the data, the cold hard data. Like track the stopwatch, like what are you doing the most of per week? You know, Mm -hmm. the IP guy that says he's helping the tribe out, where is everybody? It's like, hey, dude, have you actually tracked how much you're actually helping the tribe? Like with the stopwatch, (laughs) you know? Like that's where things get interesting. And then the second thing to track is what are all your friends and family banging over your head for the past 10 years? Like they're, they're, they can see you clearly and you can see them clearly. And they're saying repetitive things about what you're doing too much of and too little of. And those are some of the best clues to really dial in at, as painful as they are, you know? Right. But uh, of course, when people say that about us, we're like, oh, well, it's them. They're the problem, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and, and then you get a little older and then you kind of go, all right, let me just stop and look at this. All right. It does, it's a very humbling thing. Like it is, it's, um, it feels very much like a religious experience where you're, you got to stop, you got to repent. You, I mean, you're, 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 you're saying that this stuff that I fought, like for me as, as a lead NI, like I've built like 30 years of afraid of the Illuminati, they're out to get me, build my life against chaos, you know, burn down relationships over this. Like you now have to go back on all this hell I've caused myself and others. I was actually full of crap and I was totally wrong. I was just blowing things out of proportion because I was crazy brain. Like that, <laughs> that takes a minute to do, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's a, lot of, it's a lot of stuff to let go of. Right. Right, right. Then on the other side, it gets even worse. But then long term, it's like, oh, but I can now I'm now in the position to start to be aware of not building up those problems again. Mm -hmm. Like I will I will never be falling down a hole of scared of missing information, scared of the news, scared of Illuminati, scared of some some IJ kind of thing. Like I still have those fears, obviously, but like I'm not going to fall off the mountain for years like I like I did before, you know. Right, right, because you you know what uh, what your natural pattern is uh, in terms of those things. Yes, as well as like bolting to my teammate. Like the back of my head is sore quite often because I get slapped in the back of my head from my teammate who says, hey, you're going IJ crazy again. You're freaking out. And like I can't see it, you know, but having that teammate <laughs> and that objective goal to, to very aggressively kind of bring you back, um, that's – that's where the trust is. It's in it's in the objectiveness of of the setting the goals, seeing if you pass or fail. That's a good alarm system. And then having the teammates and the accountability. Um, you know, putting yourself out on YouTube as well like keeps me very accountable, right? Yeah. Um, 
setting up those outside structures because I'm betting on the fact that I'm going to go crazy again. <laughs> I just want to put things in place to catch it. Right, right. And really quick, since you mentioned it, what is your type? Because I'm not. Sh- I don't think my audience will necessarily know. Yeah. So I. Yeah. I'm. I'm predominantly extroverted when you add up all my energy. Right. Uh, but my savior function, if you can kind of tell, is I'm I'm a little self above tribe. So screw you and screw all y'all. <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm driving by my own identity, and yeah. my identity is not based on ideas. I'm not. I don't care about ideas because ideas are cheap. I let, let the mes- the best idea win. My identity is coming from an emotional state. It's coming from my FI. It's driving from what I see as important, what I value, right? Right. And then my my largest problems in life have been from not seeing the information around the corner. I will continuously over-organize and over-analyze and overthink and over-conceptualize abstract patterns over NI and then not get that precious SE to check the facts, make sure it's real, make sure I'm bolted to reality. That's where my life problems have been. So my type is NI first and then FI as the second. So NIFI, so a, 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 a jumping version of the INTJ. Okay. And had you like mistyped yourself totally upside down in the past? Oh yeah, I like the like this. This is like technically probably like probably like oh it's not that big a deal. Like, but this was like a huge deal to me. <laughs> is like I I defined myself early on as an introvert. It was like the introverts versus the extroverts. So yeah. like extroverts were bad, introverts were misunderstood. You know, right. like you see a lot of people doing with the INFJ thing. Like that's that's how I was, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then and then as I came to understand the rest of the personality curve, um, where you kind of get these different animal energies adding on, you know, kind of a, you know, like they do with the Enneagram, like I'm an INFJ three wing six. Like we kind of do the same stupid thing where we like add a bunch of subtypes to your type, you know? Right. So like I, I am an extremely extroverted version of this type. When you add up my, my numbers, I'm predominantly extrovert. Dang it. Like that was, that was traumatizing for me to, (laughs) to have typed myself as an introvert proudly for so many years and then realize, oh my gosh, I'm the nonstop talking maniac in the room. Right. Um, as well as I used to make fun of NFs, you know, because I was an INTJ. Right. And, you know, NFs, what's wrong with them? Those silly uh, <laughs> you know, hippies. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I'm valuing things before I'm going to the reasons. I'm, I'm using the reasons to serve my values. So that was, um, that was fun, you know, to get knocked down a, a notch. <laughs> So, yeah, like, I mean, that's just, this is just my silly point of view. You know, everyone else is like, well, I think this is important. I want to be that stuff, right? So I get it. I really, I really empathize when people are typing themselves upside down, as well as like, they, they're not one awesome type. They're actually another awesome type. And then that's hard for them because they really identify with a certain type or whatever. Right. Yeah. Well, my mind is going here. Uh, Are there any types that are, are the rarest, like the, you know, the, the most special rare kind, you know, maybe an INFJ. That's a yeah. That's that's a great that's a great question. I honestly don't know because we're pulling our data sets largely from YouTube. Yeah, and so we're getting kind of a skewed base of of the types of people that put themselves on YouTube. I can tell you in our docs, we have a lot of ENFPs, right. we have a lot of INFJs, and that's just because these are largely the types that are on YouTube expressing themselves. We don't have a lot of SFJs or even STJs, or not, especially not SFJs. They don't seem to be the type that really enjoy going on YouTube 
at this point in time. So like, huh. you know, they're rare in our system right now. They're not rare in reality, but like they're not showing up on YouTube. Therefore, we're not scooping them up, you know. So uh, on, the, on the overall picture, I don't know if there's any real rare types. I'm not really seeing any hints of that. I think the question would be to ask like, where are they hiding out? Like, where are they clustering? I think there's a lot of Uh, NTs in San Francisco. I think there's a lot of ENFPs and ESFPs on YouTube. And I think there's probably a different type on Instagram, you know? So it's like, where are they hiding out would be more of the question, you know? Right. So it doesn't seem like INFJs are that rare, at least from your perspective. We've been able to find a lot. We've been able to find a lot um, on on YouTube anyways. Um, So, yeah, I don't, I don't. Yeah, the, 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 the thing that the, the, Websites would say, like, they're the rarest type, you know, 1% or 2% of the population. Like, you kind of got to stop and break that down for a second. Like, where, who wrote that? <laughs> where, where were their studies? Like, how did you come up with those numbers? Like, what data set did you use? Like, would you, are you saying 1% of the world population? So how did you yeah, determine you the type of the world population <laughs> again? You know? <laughs> Yeah, I was, you know, I was trying to dig into that and actually find what what the where the data was pulled from. And I could only find I found a couple. I mean, I'm not like well versed in reading statistics. So there's one strike against me. But there was one I saw that was like from the the 80s. And uh, they they pulled the data from like high school students in Pennsylvania. Um, But I don't think that's the one everyone quotes. There's one that was done by CPP, which is the you know, the company that owns the Myers-Briggs right. test. Right. And uh, it seemed, if I recall correctly, it was something weird. Like they did like a phone survey. I don't know how that worked. Yeah. Um, like what do you do? Administer the test over the phone? Ask, have you taken the test? I don't, I just right. don't know. Uh, right, exactly. And then I would wonder if they were to redo that now. There's a, there's a, um, just to jump around doing some silly end here, like there's a documentary. I got to go refine this. There's some island that has like three lizards, lizards of the same species, but they come in three different colors, just red, blue, and yellow, let's say. Yeah. And like when the yellows become rare, they they then are sought after by the mates. And and, and, and now they're what all the, the males are looking for is the yellow one, right? Yeah. Um, and then that species becomes overdominant. And now the red becomes rare. And then, then, then the, the whole the whole culture shifts you know so the generations are changing that one one generation maybe the yellows are rare and then 10 years later it's the reds etc so it's like with that kind of analogy like like infj may might have been super rare before now it seems like because it's rare there's a lot of value in it like yeah. I've, i have i have actually sensorily heard many 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 people say with with great confidence and i used to say this too as an intj oh i'm this type it's very rare I'm very, very valuable. And honestly, like silly science and math aside, I think the root of it is we as people, and this is where I was coming from, are trying to express to the rest of the world of like, hey, I feel misunderstood. I feel like out of 100 people in the room, nobody knows what the heck I'm really going through. And I think that's the I think that's the point that a lot of us are trying to express, you know, right. Right, exactly. That kind of isolation, Um, especially for more introverted people, because you're just, you know, we're not going on expressing ourselves all the time to the other introverts, you know. Right, right. If you can point to somebody and say, hey, read this profile as accurate as it may or may not be, this expresses a lot of what I'm going through. I mean, I I don't believe that the Enneagram is accurate in any way, shape or form, yet I still use it. Why? Because it's a wonderful expression of like, hey, read this. 
this is what I'm going through. This is what I feel from my perspective at, at this point in time anyways. And it becomes a great, I don't know, therapy session, conversation piece, expression. Like, you know, for some people it's harder to express exactly what they're feeling at that time. And to have some kind of a writing to jumpstart that, that's a great. Right. Well, that's a great way of looking at it. I never really thought about it in those exact words that um, it is it is kind of a way to find this this profile that expresses you. And it's a way of, you know, putting words to what you felt. Um, that's why I don't, you know, I don't really get irritated with people who may or may not be mistyped because it's like, well, if, if it seems to express who you are and you're satisfied right. with that, then why not? Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's exactly true. We, I, my personal life and my personal views are very opposite from my, when I put on the lab coat, you know, when I'm doing the lab coat, I got to be very aggressive. I got to kick out all the biases. I got to, you know, do all the arguments and track on all the data because I've got to be living up to the standards that I know the scientific community is going to be putting on me, you know, but then in my personal life, it's just like, I just come to really own um, points of view, subjectivism in a positive way of like, look, this is what I see. This is my point of view. This is what I think. This is what I feel. I use a lot of natural health supplements that I know are not scientific. Like, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. They work for me. They, right. they say they don't in the scientific, me- not on the records, but like I, you know, so I just, I've, um, I've been able to kind of calm down with the contradictions and, um, and, and allow both kind of our own personal points of view, as well as understanding and respecting what science is demanding too, you know? Right. So when but when people would go to you for typing or if they want to use your method to figure out their own type, it's it wouldn't exactly be for the purpose of expressing themselves is is what I'm gathering now that we've gone down that road. Yeah, I hope I hope that they do. A lot of them a lot of them do and that's kind of like when I'll get on the phone with somebody, I kind of got to do a lot of j- jumping jacks and backflips to kind of figure out, do you really want to know from a scientific point of view or kind of your personal growth kind of view? Because my overall thing is going, what can I do to help you get what you need to get here next in life? And a lot of times, like, your type is number 255. There, I argued with you and proved (laughs) it right. Like, so what? Now what? Like, maybe we can skip over that and save everybody a lot of time and go, hey, what are you really wrestling with? Oh, I'm trying to figure out what to do in life and I'm going through a bad breakup. Okay, great. Let's talk about that, you know? Um, So a lot of it, I leave it up to the person if they... Uh, how much they want to get into it or not. When Shannon and I do the official typing, what we do is we go, look, this is the number I got. This is the number she got. We coincidentally got the same or or similar number. This is our perspective, our point of view. If any of this information could be helpful for you, here you go. But, you know, we're not going to argue with you. you know? Right. You got too many, peop- too many people to talk to, to to get into arguments over this stuff. Right, right. I got you. Well, when it comes to uh, INFJs in particular, since my audience is uh, comprised mostly of them, or at least those of us who think we are, um, what like have you noticed anything about INFJs that maybe isn't said a lot in in typical Myers Briggs? Pat you on the back, you're a great person. Kind of uh, descriptions. Uh, yeah, the thing that comes to mind with the INFJs is that they they largely. They largely are carrying a burden. Everybody's carrying their own burden with their own type. Yeah. You know, it's like being short or tall or or slow or fast. Like there's going to be pros and cons to that, you know, and like an INFJ, like it's a lot to carry when you have savior FE and you are pinging off the outside world as far as values and feelings and what other people like and stuff like like an emotional state is a very powerful 
primitive thing to deal with. And when it's introverted, it's kind of nice because you can just kind of go in the corner and take care of that yourself. You know, yeah. but when it's extroverted, you know, you're trying to make it accurate. You're trying to see, are, am I having the appropriate emotions right now? What should I be feeling about this? Should I be upset? Am I, should I not be upset? How is this guy feeling? And so it's, it's a lot of extroverted energy to pick up all day because you're picking up all of those values and emotions and feelings. And that's a lot to emotionally process. That's extremely draining. It's extremely hard. And the wild ups and downs of the emotional ride that, um, frankly, other types are not dealing with, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the, the second thing, having that big, silly intuition so overdominant um, is really fun in one sense because you can kind of see around corners and see patterns and pick up on trends and yeah. and consistencies a little bit faster than other people. But then that becomes a burden because now you're kind of trapped in outer space where like you know what's coming next. You know why this problem is happening, but you lack the sensor thinker tools, the ST, to actually do something about it. Like yeah. you can't communicate it in a way that a team would understand. You can't put it in black and white. You can't build a system. Or I don't know, like not can't, but it's like it's it's extremely hard and and frustrating because it feels like you can see and feel more than what you can practically logistically actually manage in the day to day. Now your room is overwhelming, and your car and your schedule and you know all the rest of the the daily life becomes very hard. Right. So. Yeah, like it, the again the 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 myths and the kind of stereotypes and what people have been saying about the INFJ and what they're struggling with. Yes, very very true. Um, what we have found, and then this kind of people kind of know this. People kind of already talk about this. Also, mm-hmm. kind of common sense. Like you, it is about dialing back on that NF. Like we look at them like muscle imbalances. Like yeah, back off on NI day, bro. Like <laughs> put some more time in that SE. And, and yes, you're gonna hate it. It's gonna be draining. But like, get over it. Like that's part of the process. Like learning to do stuff you hate that's draining. So we really recommend doing it in little spurts. Do 20 minutes at a time. Build up your skills and. It's very hard to go, I will never see my NIFE potential. Like you got to be okay with that because you got to rob from that NIFE that's just over crack dominant and start giving to that S and the T to balance them out a bit, you know. Then you can go go enjoy the NIFE um, special abilities and talents that you have because you're not going to slip on your own banana peels. You're going to be standing on a solid foundation of S and T that you can kind of hold the line on, you know? Yeah. Well, it seems like what, what you're saying is that the, the way to, to, I don't know, uh, move forward in life, to improve, to get out of, um, you know, the, maybe the low level that you're at is to do the things you don't want to do. And the only way to do that is to not keep running back to those saviors of the NF, um, right? which is kind of interesting because I know that there are other uh, Myers-Briggs sites that talk about like the key to um, developing is to focus on like your auxiliary functions. So like FE, but uh, it sounds, it sounds to me like what you're saying is that the FE is good. We don't need to develop it to, to, to like try to rely less on that. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Like, what we've been able to use in our personal lives and then in in sales and business over the years is honestly what I do now. And I don't know, nor do I really care how 
accurate this may be, it's almost like a socionics thing. We'll all put like a dashboard of like all eight functions. Yeah. So say I have a project that really, really matters. Say I got I to gotta move houses or change jobs or a new relationship or start a new business or, or, or do a big sales campaign or something. Something with a lot of moving parts, right? Starting college, deciding if you're going to move out, like what job are you going to do? I'll oftentimes write out on the, on the whiteboard the eight functions and I'll sector them up with the human needs, and I'll go, okay, is this something that I really want to do? I'm going to look at it, TI and FI. Well, I don't have TI, whatever. Like, do I really want to do this? Do I really value this? And do I really have good reasons and ideas? And then I'll go all the way through, including the FE spectrum, and go, okay, this is great, but do other people actually care about it? And the point is, like, I'm not giving myself an excuse of, like, well, I don't have SI. So I'm like, no, 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 you gotta, <laughs> you're going to need, need it. You're going to need it. And, and um, allowing myself to tantrum and complain and, and, and have a hard time with some of these little bridges along the way in the journey. But knowing that I got to somehow, some way be responsible for all eight. And I think with that approach, then, like with an INFJ, you're like, all right, look, I got to take on this TI and this SE. I got to really know what is it that I see TI is some really good logical reasons. What needs to be done? What is the right way to do something? Mm-hmm. And I am going to figure out how to do that. I'm going to build that. And I know I'm going to make everybody else unhappy because I'm going to sacrifice the FE. But that's okay. I'm going to catch that on the back end. And then how do I make this work in reality, sensorly, like who else has done something like this? What are the facts? What's the numbers? How does this actually work? Like, how do I get out of daydream land for a minute and own the SE? Um, and then from there, just getting these silly functions. Um, this is what INFJs are relatively good at, kind of talking to themselves because you get that TIFE kind yeah. of in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Like, get your functions to talk to each other and, and give and take back and forth so they can work together um, and, and balance out. And therefore, you end up triangulating reality. You're not having these blind spots. So the tidal waves, the, the, the crashing problems that keep reoccurring, they, they start to evaporate because you're not leaving these voids of, gosh, I haven't checked SE in six months. You know, right? Yeah. So that's that's what. Wow, that's the biggest life change, and that's what we're seeing with with people in our class. People we've been talking to is just getting them aware of their demons. Once you become aware, you cannot not be aware, and you start to greatly diminish these reoccurring life tidal waves. Because it turns out, turns out we are actually the ones kind of leaving the door open for those little problems to grow into giant problems over time because they're in our blind spots. Right. So you say. So our our. Uh, failure to to give the due time to exercise those demon functions. What you're saying is that those are causing the issues in our lives. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And think about it like like for an INFJ. Say you're counseling an ESTP. So an ESTP is coming to you, and they're just rocking the outside world. What's up, bro? I know what I want to do. I got my TI. Right. I got my SE. I'm really good in sales. I'm good in sports. I'm good in competition. I'm good in business. Whatever it is they're good in. And they're like, hey, how do I do this organized thing? How do, I, how do you guys know what's coming next week? How are you seeing the patterns here? How are you caring so much about other people's feelings? Like, how would you walk through that shadow person, you would tell him like, look, dude, I don't know what to tell you. You just got to go sit underneath a tree and, 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 and NIFE. You just got to start. There's no easy way to do this. Like, yeah. you guys just put in the time on the NIFE since you were five years old and everybody else didn't. <laughs> and then it's just kind of the other way around, you know, and like giving yourself the freedom of like, when I go to work on some low functions or whatever it is that I don't have, like giving myself the emotional freedom 
to be that beginner tantruming child for the first however many months. Like, it's okay. It's okay that I suck at TISE. It's okay that I'm horrible at this. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm 30-something. I'm 40-something. I'm just now getting started. This right. is embarrassing. Yeah. You know? And then from there, though, but then what happens in three months, six months, usually three months or less, you got something. You got some momentum, you know? Right. Just that first step is the hardest. Have you found that the of the people you've typed that the people who are most successful are the ones who are the best at uh, their demons, I guess you could say? Yes, totally. Totally. It's the classic trend that we're seeing of quote unquote successful people, alpha people. Yeah. Like you were kind of mentioned this on a video of yours the other day of like really following the successful, happy people. You're kind of talking about kind of downloading their right, right. You know, kind of F E absorbing them, right? Like, that's exactly what we see and we admire in powerful people is that they are responsible in all areas. You know, we're not we're not looking up to somebody when we see, ooh, you're not responsible for this and you tantrum when you're asked to be responsible. That's not that's not an alpha trait, that's not a successful trait. So yes, it's we we see consistently that when people come back from their hero's journey, when they are happy, healthy, balanced, successful, most often it's people preaching their demons. So it's the yeah. INFJ coming to the tribe when they're 55 years old saying, hey, you know what it is? Guys, you got to really know what your reasons are. You got to know what you stand for. And if you got to punch a thousand people in the face, you got to do it. You got to do what you know is right, whether people like it or not. Yeah. And you have to be bolted in reality. You can't get lost in dreamland. Like this is going to be the INFJ hero story because the NI and the FE is obvious to them, you know? Right. They don't don't even have to think twice about it. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's it's uh, sounding a little scary, to be honest. The the, yeah. the journey that you have to go on to take. I mean, because the demons are basically things that you don't feel responsible for, right? And so you're saying we need right. to take responsibility for it. Right, right. Movies, man. Movies are a powerful force. Like, think about what a movie is. You know, you guys, NIFE, looking at this kind of stuff more than I am, but like. That is a powerful, the culture is creating these stories and then we're socially voting on what's a good movie and what's a bad movie. Like yeah. one thing that we did that was very powerful for us is we went online and just Google searched like top movies of all time or whatever, like Star Wars, uh, Avatar, et cetera, right? And you're like, and then you just start going through the patterns. Like why why is this a good movie? What, what makes this powerful? And you start to see that hero's journey expressed throughout these movies. And then you start to see that in your own life. And look, everybody's sitting in front of Netflix all day. Like while you're sitting in front of Netflix all day anyways. <laughs> like, first download some of this Joseph Campbell, uh, Jordan Peterson, Hero's Journey kind of thinking, kind of structure. Right. Then go watch these movies that are very meaningful to you and go, wow, that is kind of what I'm struggling with. And it, it very much, very abstractly kind of lays out the journey of, of, of becoming responsible for these weak spots, rising up out of the darkness and the despair and building a more solid person. It just, it just it takes longer than two hours. Right. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> Dave, I was hoping you were going to have uh, some kind of major answers for us that we could Im- implement in the next, you know, like later this evening. But I know, I know. Well, it's interesting you bring up movies because I took, uh, when I was in grad school, I took a screenwriting class and the teacher actually had us learn the, the hero's journey, Joseph Campbell stuff. And, you know, we looked through... Uh, different screenplays and saw how that was at play. Um, 
so clearly whether you know whether hollywood knows why they just know it sells they know that that's what people want is to see right the you know the hero going through basically death and then coming back right a a different person and why do we want that why do we why is that born into us why do we all want that you know that's this 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 story expressing itself so so says joseph campbell and, and all these people saying where is this projecting coming from you know carl Jung was big into this as well you know yeah so let me shift topic just a little bit uh as we as we're nearing the the close of the the podcast just a couple more things i want to talk about yeah. um you brought up jerry seinfeld earlier that was that was a shock to me that he, that he's an infj <laughs> but you've you've typed some other celebrities as infj that you know i've i've talked to some friends about it and uh they were like what like because the internet collectively has not typed these people that way usually yeah. they're they're jumpers but not always for instance uh you had uh, Jimmy Fallon as an INFJ, though he's more of a traditional one. Then you also had Casey Neistat, which was surprising. Um, right. As well as perhaps the most surprising was Eminem as INFJ. Yeah, I know, right? So do you like do you get to the end of typing people and you're like, this can't be right, or do you well, almost every time? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like Eminem does not feel like an INFJ to me. No. Like, like not not at all. Like, and all I'm doing is just like I'm like I don't know. Here's all I can say. Like, uh, you know, all of my opinion. Like, no, this guy feels more like an ISTP to me, right? Yeah. But like, or something like that. Like, all I can say is I spent a lot of time going through the checklist. Big deal. I went all the way through. I got him a certain type. Shannon did the same thing. We coincidentally got the same type. There's a one in five hundred twelve chance we just randomly got the same type. That's that's possible. Right. It's going to happen one in five hundred twelve times. We've typed almost you know two and a half thousand people, so it's happened more than a couple times, right? Right. <laughs> and then all I'm all I'm doing is reporting. This is what we got. Now it's your problem, you know. Right. But yeah, like like from that point of view. But yeah, like as we went through the breakthrough of going observer decider, we went okay, you know, observer, and we get into what we're seeing, why it takes a long time to kind of dive into his life, what is really he feeling stuck about? You know, he's got a lot of issues with Trump and politics. You know, is that dealing with the the, the chaos of the thing of the social group, or is it the actual person? Yeah. You know, etc. And then self above tribe. That was not super hard to see. Then you get this deep introverted energy where you're now getting like the sleep and the consume. You know, he's kind of doubling up on his introverted uh, energy where I'm kind of the 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 NIFI that goes more extroverted. He's like the NITI that goes even more introverted. Right. You know, but yeah, like just a quick thing, like on our homepage or wherever, we'll highlight in our code of like of of like 512 types or or 128 times four, however we're laying it out. Mm. It's like, look, there's in our thing, there's 32 INFJs. So like define your terms. Like if you're talking Myers-Briggs INFJ, that's a different story. Like Eminem and and Casey Neistat, these are going to be kind of fringe level guys that are, are not in that, that center line Myers-Briggs INFJ, you know? Yeah. Do you ever have times where you and uh, Shannon have been typing uh, a, a person or a celebrity and you have a type and you're like, this can't be right, but you both get it? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. That, um, that doesn't happen as much as it used to. But yeah, they're, they're, the looks like one will throw us a lot if somebody looks a lot like another type. Yeah. Um, but we keep coming to that same conclusion that they're this this type over here. That's hard to process. Um, we'll see people that are 
extremely introverted according to the math. Like Bill Nye, the science guy, right? He's very introverted according to the math, but very extroverted as a person. And all the other people we have in his doc are very introverted and, and, and introverted in their real life. And yet he's this extroverted guy. So it's like, that's hard to process. And like, actually what we'll do as well is like, we don't do this quite as much right now just for the sake of time, but like we'll do a test retest where if it's been a couple of years and we can't really remember what we typed Bill Nye as yeah. a couple of years ago, <clears throat> one of us will throw him back in the queue, you know, so I know what he is because I pulled him out of the dock. I'll then throw him to Shannon and say, hey, will you type this guy again and tell me what you get, you know? And so we'll kind of put these little checks to try and um, look at it again, as well as that's like what the next operators when we get them like, hey, would you type Bill Nye and tell me what the heck you get here? You know? Right. So, yeah, <laughs> it's a trip. Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten I've gotten some <laughs> some funny looks when I've explained to people the, the different types that that uh, you guys have gotten. But then when I've seen you explain it in the classes, uh, I'm like, well, I guess I can't argue with it. It looks it makes sense. Yeah, it's great. Like, too, like the, the data sets is when it gets interesting. Like, for example, when Casey Neistat drops into his doc, he's got a unique look to him. He, he's the same type as Enzo Ferrari that has almost the same look that Casey Neistat has. He even has the same black glasses with the white little rims. What the heck is that about? <laughs> like, so, like, it, it gets a little bit more believable when we're then dropping them in a doc that's growing and they're looking like and acting like. Because when it's just like this is the only person we've ever typed, we have no one else in their doc. We don't really have anything to compare it to. Right. When, when some of these docs are like, we have 20, 30, 40 of these people, that the data starts feeding on itself, you know? Right. I, I, that is a good point, that when, when you see them in comparison to all the other people of their type, then it can give you a bit more um, right. confidence that, that you're in the, on the right one. Right, right. Same deal with social. Like, if you, if you own an iPhone the, the best way to know more about your phone is not to read the instruction manual, not to read the profile, not to check the quote-unquote type of your phone. It's to go talk to 50 other people that have your exact same phone. Right. That's when you're really going to get the interesting information. When we, when we have logged 49 other Frank Jameses, now we're really going to know what a Frank James is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure that I want to know what that is. But, uh, so, uh, so Dave, what can anyone listening like? What can they do to get um, to get started? Especially people who are trying to kind of get their life together a little bit. I can't say that I'm not in that group um, with this this information that that you have. I would say for everybody, the, 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 if I were to ni narrow it down. The most silly, ridiculous, boringest bottom line thing that I could say is the same thing that any self-help person is going to tell you, Tony Robbins is going to tell you, is really having objective, measurable goals and keep them nice and small. Don't worry about what you're going to be when you grow up. Don't worry about that. Worry about what you're going to do the next few months. Worry about what you're going to do with your your room, your, your social situation, small stuff, yeah. your schedule. Because setting these objective goals gets you in the habits of being accountable to the outside world and, and being okay with failing. And that's going to then start to help you calibrate, ooh, I have a weak muscle here. I thought I could run a five-minute mile. I tried it. I can't. I didn't know my legs were as weak as I thought they were, right? <laughs> so now you can get to go to work on that. That then really has been the key that has helped us a lot as far as being able to move towards a larger goal, like doing personality and science, first building up those habits of respecting these small goals. So I would really encourage people to you have amazing and I 
and FE, but to really kind of learn to take joy in the small things, set these small goals and level them up over time. Yeah, that's good. I like, you know, the thing that I think I like the most about what you're doing is that it's not just uh, personality typing. Like you're, you're very much into how can we use this to actually, you know, make people better. So maybe that's what draws me the most to it in many ways is that it's not just, you know, a uh, trying to think of the right word for it, but, you know, just for the sake of itself. Right. Right. Yeah. We're trying to get to the core of why are some people happy, healthy and successful and why are others not? What's kind of the keys going on there? You know, using this data to to pull out that information. Right. Right. Well, Dave, an hour has flown by. Um, I hope that I can have you back on the podcast uh, sometime again. Maybe we can, uh, you know, I can pull a Joe Rogan. I can uh, give you a, you know, a blunt to smoke during, <laughs> during it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Ruin your business. Um, right. But, but but before we go, I was I wanted to do a quick lightning round, just a few a few binary coins and then another uh, a few other questions. Just they're all food related. So it's no pressure. Yeah. All right. So yeah, great. All right. So lightning round. Maybe I'll put in some cool music underneath. Uh, so coffee or tea? Oh, gosh. It's unfortunately, tea. Oh, man. <laughs> And that's the end of this podcast. Uh, 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 pa- Tea and I don't like it. Uh, pa- pancakes or waffles? Waffles. My man. Uh, Coke, Coke or Pepsi? Um, a Coke, even though I should go with Pepsi because it's more sugary. But usually Coke because of habit. Well, there's, there's the right answer, though. So very yeah. good. Uh, what's your favorite uh, fast food joint? Oh, gosh. Uh, well, not counting In-N-Out because they're the best. Okay. <laughs> I, I would say uh, like run-of-the-mill, maybe jack-of-the-box. Okay, okay. Yeah. Going with the, the West Coast uh, ones there. Yeah. Um, and favorite ice cream flavor? Uh, Rocky Road's always been a classic. Nice. Uh, that's usually the default when I, when I walk in and don't know what else to pick. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Just give me the Rocky Road. Right, I'm panicking here. There's people online. Too much, too much sensory to take in. Yeah, can I, can I, can I look the order up online before I walk in? <laughs> it's like that Jim Gaffigan joke where you call up to order pizza and you panic when they ask for your order. Right. You guys got food there. <laughs> um, so uh, where should where should the people go if they want to learn more about what you're doing? We got the YouTube channel. I would definitely rifle through that. We're going to be kind of setting up some playlists soon so you can kind of search functions, types. Oh, good. Stuff like that. It's nice, short, fast, aggressive videos. We're kind of messing around trying to find our, our, our groove there. Uh, and then we have the website, objectivepersonality.com. We're also going to be putting up some more kind of free information on the pages to where uh, people can kind of jump in and kind of read up about it. There's some there now. It's just a little bit hard to find. Yeah. And then um, for the deep dive, we've got uh, a weekly class. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we do a walkthrough of like typing celebrities, typing M&M or whatever. We do the whole breakdown and all that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a paid class, though. But that's, um, that's what we got uh, on the website as well. All right, fantastic. Is there anyth- anything else that uh, you wanted to cover, anything that I missed that you want to get out there? 
Uh, we're hiring. If anybody's looking to do this for a living, wanting to go all in on personality for a living, you got to go through Navy SEAL style training to deal with the biases. That's a couple of years of hell. But uh, yeah, we're in Portland, Oregon. And if um, people are serious about, uh, after you check out our website and all that stuff, send us an email. Great. Well, Dave, thank you very much. I really appreciate right. you and uh, being on the podcast and uh, look forward to having you on again sometime soon. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot. There he goes. Well, that I really enjoyed that conversation. Make sure that you uh, go over and check out Dave's Superpowers if you haven't already. And uh, if you're so inclined, check out ObjectivePersonality.com. Thanks very much again to uh, Dave for coming on the show and sharing his knowledge and uh, spreading the word about what he's doing. And thank you all for your patience in uh, the, the long wait between these podcasts i'm not sure when the next one will be hopefully sooner rather than later maybe sooner than you think but longer than you hope let's say that thanks so much for listening make sure you're following me here on soundcloud or on itunes i appreciate that very much and uh, i'll see you around really soon take care 